All right, kids, welcome once again to uh, Swing Thoughts. This country, this nation's uh, building blocks of mental acuity when it comes to the game of golf. The preeminent podcast program. Thank you. The alliteration that is spilling from the uh, vocal cords, the, st- the, the sanguine stylings of the mental performance coach for the Glen Abbey Golf Academy, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. And uh, my name is uh, Howard Glassman. You know me possibly from the uh, award-winning Humble and Fred show and my many uh, appearances. Back to the, uh, yesterday I've talked with a pal, and he goes, yeah, 80s. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing, people get me off. You know, it's weird that I wasn't even here. I started in late 89. So sometimes I get grouped into that uh, radio station. It was a legendary station in Toronto called CFNY, the spirit of radio. For a lot of, you know, North Americans, it was one of the big alternative stations, and I wasn't really even there for its alternative heyday. I kind of came later. But I'm happy to be part of that as a memory for people. But they go, I remember you and Freddie back in 85. I go, no, you don't. And they go, yeah, I do. You guys were on every morning doing that stuff. I go, no, we weren't. They go, how do you know? I said, because I wasn't in town then. Is, is that like the Monty Python skit? That, you know, We'd like to welcome the man who claims he wrote all of Shakespeare's works. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I listen, it, it's uh, it's great to be with everyone talking golf. It's one of my, my favorite things, one of Timmy's favorite things. And um, and today, you know, we have a lot of stuff we're going to get to. It's just uh, Timmy and I and uh, a very special guest on the phone. Uh, before we get to him, we want to remind everyone that Swing Thoughts is brought to you by TaylorMade Golf and Adidas, for now, I guess. Um, <laughs> TaylorMade Adidas, TaylorMade the number one driver in golf and uh maybe a little bit later if i get a chance i want to talk about um you know finally getting fit for my tailor-made uh psi irons and and even at the level that i play at how much difference it's made in terms of club selection and 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 so on and as you'll find out someday if they ever uh if they figure out, because Tim's, <laughs> Tim's, Tim's specs are so difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Timmy's got lie angles, and uh, you can't be too strong. Yeah, because I'm so, I'm so unusual. I'm mm-hmm. five foot eight and a half, which is so out of normal really? for average guys. Yeah, are you are you five eight? Because I would, I would, you appear as a five eleven individual. That's just my aura. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this wonderful app that we recommend called birdiegolf.com. B-I-I-R-D-I. It says, well, it's, I'm, I always just say three eyes. Yeah, three. it's B-I-I. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyways, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about that. But right now we want to talk to the uh, director of uh, golf, the executive director of uh, management, uh, the president of Glencairn uh, Golf, a uh, great club link course that I'm a member of, Craig Capito. Hello, Craig. Hello, gentlemen. Craig has heartily recommended Swing Thoughts to all his staff, and a lot of people at the club have uh, heard about it from Craig. And Craig, uh, 
came to me a couple weeks ago and asked about if we could, you know, would we like to put our logo, our Swing Thoughts logo, on this scoring app that you guys are using for your men's night. And uh, I guess uh, this will start next week, and we're happy to do that, and we're happy to recommend Club Link and uh, Glenn Karen. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Now, what will this be? So it's a scoring thing where guys can look at how they're doing on their phones as, and like, in real time, right? Yeah, like when you're when you're out on the course, um, and when we played last night, so we had the opportunity to kind of cut the app out a bit, and we're just posting scores as we go along. We're able to see how everyone else was doing, um, you know, chirp a little bit, throw some messages out there to other guys, and uh, and then uh, be able to post a score. So when we finished, it was done, um, and it was uh, right in the system. and made it to a nice, quick, and efficient men's night. It's pretty interesting, too, because uh, I tried it out a couple weeks ago, and I was keeping score, and basically all you do is you know put in everyone's score, and then it has a leaderboard so you can see how you're doing against everyone else's plan. And then I realized, what does this mean, messages? And all it was was guys going back and forth, like, you suck, you suck more. It was pretty funny. and uh, But a dangerous thing to do with, like, 130 guys yelling at each other over their phones. Yeah, not everyone's gotten into it yet, but uh, definitely uh, I've been I've been starting a little bit of that chirping myself to see if we can get it going a little bit. And as I said, Timmy, uh, Craig has definitely recommended um, our podcast to his staff, the guys that work for him. In fact, one of, I watched this in the pro shop last night. One of the new kids um, said to me, hey, Howard, how do I... Tim, he said, I'm sorry, he said, Craig told me about the podcast. How do I get it? And I said, well, you know, subscribe on iTunes. And I thought that was very nice of you, Craig, and I wanted to thank you for that. Um, and then uh, just quickly, before, because Craig's he's got executive golf duties to do. He's got to go to a meeting. He's a grand poobah. He, he is. Very, very important man. Um, and uh, well, last night, Craig and I played uh, together. And last night on our men's night, so you've got men's night, which is a sort of like, I, I call it a tournament. Because anytime you play golf where your name and your score are going to be counted and there's an accountability, it's it's like it feels like a tournament. And you got to hole out. You got to hole out. There's no gimmies. And it's like everything, you know, you, you're playing, you know, sort of at the highest level of accountability that most amateur golfers get to play, which is anytime somebody posts your score. So Craig and I were playing last night. It was also a qualifier for an interclub team. It was also a requalifier for me uh, because I was trying to make this other team and I, I almost made it the week before, but it came down. There was two of us for three or three of us for two spots and all that. And so it was kind of fun last night to play with Craig, who's a, an exceptional player himself. And uh, I said to Tim when he came in today, Craig, I said, well, last week we had Charlie Fitzsimmons kind of give a little bit of uh, an accounting of how playing with me was. And I thought, well, it might be fun for you to kind of go over with Tim, who's my mental performance coach, and see how his work is uh, paying off. Well, you, uh, I thought you played pretty well last night. You posted a 73 under... Uh as you said, you had a bunch of stuff going on. Very He's, nice, seventy-three. Woo. Yeah, he was. I would say we're, we kind of talked a little bit about just like Jason Day. Like you know, we kind of heard that. He's pretty much stuck to his process for whatever three, four, five, six, seven years. And you know, you've been in your own little process here for probably three years, I guess, since uh, since I've known you. And just to watch you last night, you were. You know, you don't stray from that. Um, your, you know, your contact's very consistent. You stay within yourself, and you're never like you just. You're not trying to push your game to something that it can't do. You just kept it. You kept it right in line, and uh, you know the 73 result was, I think, the second best gross score of the night. Um, 
So yeah, I was impressed. It was uh, it was it was nice to watch, and I think the other two guys in the group said the same thing too. Cool. That's really that's that's, that's excellent stuff, and I've noticed that I've played. I think we played once this year so far, but yeah, you're very you, you you follow your process really nicely. How did you find Craig when uh, I guess the seventy three he didn't hit that many offline or maybe miss hits? But how did he react on the occasion that it wasn't uh, one of his best shots? Um, you know, I kind of just maybe recall one shot there, which might have been for uh, for space side, and you know slight frustration for a quick second but he let it go are you talking about uh, when i uh the second shot in the par five yeah went right yeah it wasn't even frustration i had 185 in on a par five i you know it's like a five iron i hit i think i hit four iron because it was in the wind and i blocked it and uh yeah i was I, but i wasn't like freaking out frustrated I was no like, no oh. no and what i'm interested in is craig how did you perceive his yes reaction? yes you go ahead it's like parent teacher interview <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay, okay I, I Mr. Would, O'Connor. Yeah, I would say he he addressed it, um, and I you know it addressed a bad shot in a positive manner, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, he acknowledged why it happened. Maybe it's probably the best thing, and then he went ahead and. Like you ended up making a par still, right? No, I actually uh, lipped out for par. I made a, yeah. a bogey. You almost made a par from that. So obviously yeah. it didn't affect him too much. And I uh, went to the next one and uh, hit the closest shot to the flag So out of our group. So he was... Uh it didn't last long, put it that way, if there wasn't yeah, well, I'm very, I'm, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> so when we're done here, we're going to go get a Happy Meal. Are we going to go to McDonald's, Papa? Papa? Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate that, Craig. You know, Craig's watched me since I came back to golf in 2013, sort of halfway through that season. This is sort of the third season since I started playing golf again, and it was frustrating for me. And a lot of guys I play with now, they knew I was a good golfer, but I hadn't played in so long, and I kind of lost... Um, a lot of the skills that I had acquired, they just went away. And it's taken me a while to kind of get it back physically. But the biggest improvement, obviously, is that, you know, I was uh, probably 2013, 2014, freaking out quite a bit because it was frustrating. I was playing with all these guys that I'm friends with now, and I they were playing much better than me. And I thought to myself, I know I'm... I couldn't be. I can be as good as this, but it's going to take some time. And Craig and I talked about it last night. I mean... Um, it, it's it's what you said about, you know, it's a process. And as long as you accept that it's going to take some time, if you put the work into it, eventually, hopefully, it'll it'll come back to you. You know what I mean, Craig? Yeah, well, even when you, yeah, I mean, we knew, I think you, even I knew, and I think you knew, too, though, is that it would always come back to you, to what level it would come back. Right. right. And, uh, you know, to watch you last night, I know you guys are working on that putting where basically he's reading his line and then just stepping up and, you know, taking a second to two and 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 then hitting it right. So right. not thinking about much. And you know, I, I don't know how many birdies you had last night, but you definitely had a few. And you know, a couple putts that could have gone in too. Like there was an opportunity there to go. Your shots are close enough that once those putts start rolling in, you're going to get better and better, right? So it's 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 pretty neat to see. Um, you're pretty consistent, and and you, and you got a system, and you're sticking to it, and I think you you know you'll see some rewards. Well, Craig commented. A couple of guys commented. Uh, they commented a couple of times that I don't seem to take much time when I putt now, because as Tim has kind of you know not taught me, but we've worked this out together. We were work. What we're work on is absorbing the information organically. 
You know, we've all played a lot of golf. You know, I tend to look at the putt sometimes 360, but always in the middle of it from, you know, um, how do you describe that? Like, you know, I, I get, I, I see the putt almost um, from the side. From a, a 90 degree angle to right. the line? So I'm looking at the line, but once I basically, I'm not taking a lot of practice swings, almost never. And once I take my breath and go in and hit the putt, I mean, I go in and, and as soon as I'm over the ball and settled, I, I take it back and hit it because I don't. I don't want to freeze over the ball, which is, you know, when, and Craig and I worked on my putting last year, I, I was sort of very mechanical. And Craig corrected me on a couple physical things that sort of freed up my motion. But the idea is once you're over it, I just, you, you know, I just don't waste any more time, right? Yeah, I mean, I like it. There's a, <laughs> fine, there's another guy here at the course that had putting issues. So he walks up and he hits putts. Same way, right? Nice and quick. And three-footers, four-footers, those don't get him anymore. He Mm -hmm. knocks him in. But the longer he waits, the more he has to think about it. And that's when they don't go in. Okay, well, I know you got to go to a meeting. Thanks for the kind words. It was great. Uh, if you want to get uh, more information, I know there's all kinds of specials at Glen Karen, as there is with lots of club link courses. There's uh, um, uh, membership opportunities. There's guest opportunities. And Craig would love to see you play uh, one of Club Link's finest golf courses. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, buddy. See, that was easy. That was easy. All right, Coopy. <laughs> thanks, Craig. Have a, have a great day, guys. All right, man. Take care, man. All right, bye. He was really nervous about coming on. I said, don't worry about it, dude. It's just like us shooting the breeze. Yeah. What did you uh, write down? Uh, I wrote down that um, he talked about, I, I wrote down coming back, and I think that's what you were getting into, is that you're coming back to the game yeah. and wanting the results to come yeah. pretty quick. And that's... And it's frustrating when they don't come. Absolutely. And that's what uh, a lot of the themes that I've been working with uh, a lot of my younger students are, is that they want it. They've been working all winter on their games, on their, and they're so happy to be out now on green grass or getting into tournaments. But a lot of, a lot of them are finding that, you know, they, they, they head out there, talk with one of my players, and we're talking about Sunday. He played in a tournament in that awful weather. Yeah, Sunday. I don't know if you guys follow O'Connor on Facebook. There's this picture of Tim <laughs> with a gone and snow in the background. And he's got this uh, you-know-what eaten grin on his face. And I'm like, geez, man. you got to love golf to be out when it's two degrees and <laughs> hailing on you. But so this kid, was he played in that day. He played yeah, a tournament. So, yeah, so we're on the phone that night. And we're uh, you know shooting the breeze, talking, you know, laughing about what a fun day, what an insane day to play golf it was and then he goes coach can can i ask you something and i went oh okay yeah shoot and he goes how come this happens all the time he says i headed out and i and i thought 75 would be a good number he says but you know i didn't get off to my best start you know soon i'm two over three over four over after three or something so there goes the 75 the next thing i shoot like you know 44 on the front one on on the back one under <laughs> you know because he so i went all right he was i'm sorry he was 44 on the front one under on the back right and, 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 and that I, weather that's an amazing score it's like uh 83 or something absolutely absolutely but that happens all the time sure you don't even have to be like a a, a plus handicap like this young man is but it happens constantly we head out wanting a number mm-hmm. we're hopeful you know, maybe we found something on the range that morning. 
just some optimism that came out of a, a round before. So thus we head into the round with some expectations. Um, not even really conscious of it, but you know, today's the day, mm-hmm. whenever I'm going to break 80 or 90 or whatever. And then, you know, by whole four or five, it's, you know, <laughs> it's going side. But let me ask you, if you're the mental performance coach from, uh, the, the Glen Abbey Academy, as you are, what is, what do you say to that person? Like, okay, you can have, you know, if you're, if you're saying, why am I playing golf today? Is it a qualifier? Is it a tournament? Are you playing with your friends for fun? Doesn't that inform what your expectations might? be for that day it is but most people are fixated on the number the score it's no matter what the circumstances absolutely that's we are particularly prone to that in north america yeah which which lauren rubenstein uh called and i think he got it from someone from uh overseas uk card and pencil golf it's, we're fixated by the numbers that go down, and over there, it's more. I'm not going to make too much of it. It's more the match play. It's more. They play a ton of match play. Yeah, and it's almost more, they play very little stroke play in their day to day playing. Yeah, they'll play Stableford, which is right. a really good system. Uh, so it's not all wrapped around the number. But if I may just jump in, the reason that it's so much healthier to do that is because you don't fixate on your overall score in in match play. It's great because you can have a seven, and the other person can have an eight, and you win the hole and you don't care if that adds up to 83 or whatever that number that you seem whatever that number that you deem is the number that you're a good person at Absolutely. you know what i mean or i'm a quote a good player a good player or you know i'm this is, i'm gonna lower my hand like i don't know how many times i've played some matches with my dad and it'd be you know, great back and forth really competitive and then we'd add them up afterwards and go like, oh you were 78 yeah. i was 77 or something you know it's like interesting so that's a that's a collect a connected thought in terms of when we're not focused on score when there's other intentions going on more focused sure let's delve into that a little bit we tend to play a lot better and score better without even trying to that's the kind of well the big learning i think for people that are uh, fans of swing thoughts and there are now many hundreds legions um hundreds no thousands possibly but the thing is that there's a the bigger piece in all of this is that, um, and we had talked a little bit about this before we started taping today, and I said, let's just say this, because what I'm finding in my day-to-day life now is a lot of my golf buddies, and I'm sure uh, you are as well because you're coaching every day, but there seems to be a lot of men in their 50s, guys that have been playing golf a long time, that are starting to see that there's another... There's another idea to this game of golf that doesn't have anything to do with ball position or alignment or grip pressure or where your backswing lands. That there's something, there's another way to get through. And, and listen, if the ultimate goal is to score lower, then this is another avenue that maybe if you explore it, you'll find, as you just said, you know, fixating on intention and fun and joy and gratitude and, 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 and fellowship actually turns out wow at the end of the day you had a pretty good number as a byproduct of that yeah but if the number is your focus it almost never turns out the way you want it yeah the game just disappoints constantly it's nothing but disappointment that's why we play you know it you could you could extend that into looking at relationships but uh well yeah we could go down that road who knows but um when it's the number I, I always go. What can you? What What's the win you can get out of that? Right. So if you focus on say the seventy five number that my uh, student had, if he's four over after two, 
uh, well, where's the wiggle room, and where can he get the win? That's right. To me, you come out of every game, I want to come out of it as a win. And what I mean by that is, so that you can play, particularly you're an avid player, you want to get better, you want to learn. Mm-hmm. And if it's all about the number and you don't shoot your number, what have you got? Nothing but disappointment. And where do you learn from that as opposed to going in, let's say, with a um, – there's two things to look at here. One is what could be a focus for your day? What could be – now, it could be something generally that you're working on. I was mm-hmm. talking with some uh, – with Sean Casey with his uh, juniors, and I asked one of the uh, – we were having a talk, and it was basically on this subject – and I said, okay, what are you working on? And he said, trusting my line. And he says, that's a new thing for him. He's, he's still not really getting it a lot. He, he reverts back to thinking a lot as he's standing over a putt. But I said, okay, what if you went into your next round of golf and your key focus would be on every hole, I'm going to trust my line. Mm-hmm. And all he did was really score himself on that. Yep. So after every hole, he might put a little check mark or something. I trusted my line on this green. Next hole, he, he looks back and he goes, I didn't. So there's just no check mark. Mm-hmm. So once he's done, he goes through and goes, wow, I had 11 times. On 11 holes, I trusted my line. He can learn from that. Versus it, being obsessed with how many three putts you made yeah, or putts yeah. you missed or scores you didn't make. 100%. So then the next round, he, his focus would be, Trust my line. And he notices that, oh, I did it 12 times. And then it gradually goes. And so to build up on, as we do, we steal great words of wisdom for everyone. As Carl Moore says, he builds evidence right. that as he's going along, he's learning to trust his line more. And it becomes a part of his game. And, and thus he learns from it. And it becomes an unconscious Becomes, level of competence 100%. that we're all trying to get. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Craig was, uh, I, I'm, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting because in last night's round, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I'd forgotten all about that shot that he brought up because it really didn't bother me at all. You know, I, it was the, I think it was the sixth or seventh hole we'd played that day because it's a shotgun and you sort of sometimes get yeah. confused oh, yeah. where you 100%. are. So I hit a good drive, and I had, like I said, 185 into a green, and, you know, felt great. You know, was, I had just made birdie, so I'm thinking, you know, it's a good opportunity, and I blocked it out of bounds to the point where I was like, I, was, I had to hit a provisional, probably wasn't going to find it, and then my focus was just making bogey, and it really didn't bother me. What I thought he was going to bring up is uh, something I was saving for you, because when I first played <laughs> golf with Tim, the very first time we'd ever played, after being friends all winter, we go on the golf course, and Tim, I'll talk about you as though you're not here. <laughs> in all the years I've played golf with good players, and Tim's a good player, I'd never seen anybody shank more shots than he did. <laughs> to the point where it's almost like you don't even know where to look. It's it's like you're playing with somebody, you think you know them, and you look over, and they've got a foot growing out of their head. You're like, wow, I never noticed that before. I better not look at that. So O'Connor is shank. We've talked about it on Swing Thoughts. You were shanking it like I've never seen it. And then, but I, what I loved about you and why be why you were so uh, you're such a good coach is that the equanimity that you displayed in that round of chaos was uh, something I, I will never forget. So last night, um, 
Thank you, by the way. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> what was it? This it goes from the sublime to the ridiculous. Oh, I mean, Pat, what, yeah. What could you? Do, what could anyone do? No one. But just laugh at could it. Could just maybe take you somewhere and just yeah. get you drunk. So in a white coat, maybe. Last night, um, I have like uh, three holes to go, four holes to go, and I'm I, I don't know, I'm even par, one over par, something like that. I um. On this third last hole, I hit a horrible drive into a pot bunker, and I have to come out sideways. Come out sideways, I rip a three-wood to about 60 yards, I put it to a foot and a half and make par. So I'm feeling pretty good. It was a pretty cool shot. Get up on the next hole. It's 181-yard, par three. And I... Now, I want to be careful here. I didn't shank it. Oh, you, oh. I did not shank it. You have to explore <clears throat> this. You have to but, explore the acceptance of whether he shanked or not. Listen, it <laughs> wasn't a shank. shank. Oh, I think this is denial. This is denial. I may be, I may be in shank denial. <laughs> I hosled it. Don't say it. Say yes. it. Say it. No. I shanked it. Say it. Okay, here's the thing. Say My it. understanding. Say it. If you say it, you have power over it. It might have been a baby shank. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hang on a second. Okay. I will say this. There was elements of shanking in this shot. Yes, that's right. So, it was 181 yards, and I hosled it. Pin high. The reason I'm not, I'm the reason I'm not really ready to go full shank is because... From what I observed, from the shanking expert, that ooh ooh turn it around ooh I like possibly yes yeah. for comedic sake. Um, <laughs> when I saw that display of Olympian sh- shankadelic, um, my my you know a traditional shank literally goes straight sideways. This was more of a we'll call it a tour shank where. 30, yes, thirty degrees. Yeah, so. thirty degrees. Because yeah. I was basically pin high. I know my shank. You know your exact. Thank you. <laughs> Funny how you came up with that. It was a thirty degree <laughs> hosel shot with a five iron that went one hundred and seventy five yards, but thirty degrees right. Mm. And in fact, I said as I after I hit it, I said, "Gentlemen, I believe we've been visited by a shank." There and, we uh, go. I admitted it. Acceptance is so the first step. The pin is way left on this green, and I'm in pine straw. Um, 30 yards right of this, and uh, I've got tree trouble. I, it was the kind of pine straw where I had to really be careful with the branch, moving my moving the branch from my ball. So, and I was I literally down to the metal on a uh, 54 degree sandwich, and all I was thinking was, you know, I took up. And what I was proud about my uh, proud about this particular incident is. I didn't rush anything. I tried several different clubs, and I tried a bunch of... And I was like, I'm going to stay here. And I don't... You know, everyone else was on the green kind of waiting for me, but I thought, rather than be embarrassed, I'm not going to hit this shot until I'm completely comfortable with how it might... I was trying different angles, and I was... I Both hands were on the metal of a, of a, of a sandwich, like way down on it. I know she used kind of a baby interlock. Yeah, I do have You're an interlock. You're not a Varden guy. You're an interlock. I'm an interlock guy. Yeah, cool. So... And I made great contact with it. And my goal was just to get it on the green somewhere. And I hit it to five feet and I made par. (laughs) And the, the, what Craig and one of the other, either Craig or the other guy said, now that's a, that's a PGA tour 
up and down. 100%. Because I took whatever time I needed. And I'm, believe me, I was uncomfortable with the way the shot looked. But, you know, what are you going to do? And I, I just wanted to make good contact. And I made great contact. And it just so happened. It hit the middle of the green and just rolled out nicely. And I made that putt. And the other guys were, you know, it was the kind of thing where everyone was happy to see me make that par because it was one of those ones where you're like, oh, my God, you're not getting up and down from Shankville. But that was the one I thought he was going to bring up because Victor for Dubisaw. me, pardon me, Victor Dubisaw. Remember him in the match play for last, sure. couple, last year? You know what it reminded me of? It was the kind of shot Ian Poulter hit a couple years ago when he was in contention where it just went straight right. But it didn't go. It didn't. You know the difference. You're well. You're an expert. So shanking. Oh my god. I don't know what the, my my point of the learning is that it was all my process. It was the experience of, yeah, that was embarrassing. I wasn't a little embarrassed, not terribly so. But you know, it's I have three holes to go. I'm one over par. I've just made a great par. Like the two pars I made in a row there that should have been bogeys or whatever could have been bogeys, but. You know, I I shank this shot off the tee with a five iron, but it was the idea that I just didn't hit that shot until I felt calm enough to do it, which is the the biggest takeaway. If you can, if you if you learn nothing else from that story, is that yes, I was embarrassed. It's embarrassing to do that, especially when you're you know I'm I'm a scratch ish golfer, um, and it happened, but I I felt good about it because I went, okay, well, I did everything I could. I did everything I could to hit a decent shot. You know, most likely eight times out of 10, I'm going to just get that on the green, have a 20 footer and make my bogey and feel great about it. But it was the calmness that I approached that shot with that I, I would attribute to what we're working on and kind of the things that I've been working on, uh, apart from you. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that, um, you were aware of what was going on in your body and you use the word comfortable and that it was you you would you pick a club a stance and go not no i know i picked right. several clubs yeah, before absolutely. i hit that shot and that's that's the key learning right there i believe is is uh it's kind of two things one you weren't concerned about the judgment of guys standing there with their hands on the hips kind of going okay let's go mm-hmm. particularly after that clowny shot whatever <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that that uh, uh children's birthday party thing <laughs> that balloon animal you just made exactly but you so there's so there's that piece of being able to hit a shot and not being you know like screw it whatever they want to think they can think as I have no control over that what they what they think at all but that you would just have the presence of mind to get over the shot and really feel it because we most of the times we're in our heads mm-hmm. and so we're divorced from what's actually what we're actually feeling and we don't pick up what's going on in the terrain maybe the our our we're off balance a little bit. Maybe our right foot's above our left. Maybe it's kind of wonky. There's, you know, I take the club back. I'm going to whap a piece of pine straw, whatever, mm-hmm. until you're comfortable. And then it's kind of like, all right. Then, so was it would it be fair to say that as you experiment with, experimented with your clubs, and then you finally decide this is the one, and you settled over it. What was the feeling that you had? Was it kind of a feeling of kind of like a go feeling that, that I'm ready to go here? Well, you know, it's funny you ask that. And I'm going to be, before I answer, one of the things for people listening, and we've all done this. There's no one listening that hasn't done what I'm about to say, which is hit a shot in trouble and then try and get out of trouble as quickly as possible, not to the advantage of your golf, but to the 
Im- to the diminishing the embarrassment of what you've just done. Forget yeah. shanking it. You're in the trees. Your friends are in the fairway. You're somewhere they're not. You just want to get back to safety. You and so get you, back with your buddies. You want to get back to your buddies, and you want to you want to diminish the embarrassment of a poor shot. So. <laughs> And and it's funny, you know, it's even sociological. It's it's ridiculous. Like you're on the island, and I want to get back with the guys on the mainland. But am I right? Every person's done it. We've yes. rushed a shot out of trouble. You know the old cliche: you don't want to follow a bad shot with a bad shot. Well, the reason that exists is because so many of us have followed bad shots with bad shots based on poor decisions that lead to bad shots that lead to worse shots. Yeah, if you absolutely. think back to the first couple of shows we did, and we said, "Hey, we think we can save you five or six shots." without doing anything but thinking about this. Because, you know, I was a little embarrassed. I mean, I'm playing pretty good, so it's not terribly embarrassing. But to answer your question now, when I finally decided, and I took, well, you've played with me. I usually take two or three practice swings. Um, on a full shot, I'll take a couple, depending on what I'm trying to feel. But you're quick. You're not. But then I go. You're not slow. No. So I take a couple. I don't take full swings. I just no. take this sort of a, a small motion to feel comfortable, and then I go and hit it. Not not as quick as I putt, but pretty quick. So to answer your question, I took a dozen practice swings, two or three different clubs, just because I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to hit this tree behind me. But once I felt okay, I've got the length, and I got the, I went and hit it just like a normal shot. I didn't didn't um, linger over it any longer than normal. Once I decided that's what I should do, and my thought was, you just need to get. I knew if I made contact, I was going to be able to hit the green. You know, I was 30 yards away from the flag, but I wasn't that far away from just lofting something onto the surface. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a key thing. Most of us make these doubles and triples because of our, our embarrassment. Yeah. And our our feeling of that red-faced kind of, what are people going to think of me because I'm in the trees? Yeah, They're going to think, oh, I wish I, I'm glad I'm not in the trees. That's basically <laughs> what they're thinking. Yeah. The other thing, too, about thinking is that, okay, I'm in the woods now. It's a par four. I've got to chip out. And then I've got to make sure I hit the green and maybe one or two putt, I'll make a bogey. So where's your mind right. in the future? And so there's a tendency, I, because I know it, I've done it, I do it, is to rush those shots. Yes. Just like you said. And so tend to snatch the club away inside and, and it's a rush swing and not in sync or, or relaxed at all. So there's that piece. It's just, again, another nice awareness there. But there's also uh, the whole aspect of taking time. Um, it's like we talked about Danny Willett, the Masters, when he restarted there. Yeah. Like having the courage, if you will, to, to step away and yep. restart. That's huge. The same thing. If you're in the woods and you're concerned about the time you're taking, and so you hit another bad shot, you're going to be in the woods longer. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you're going to stay in the woods. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're not going to uh, say for sure. Um, we're not advocating slow play by any means. In fact, if you play with a good presence of mind and comfort, you'll actually play faster. Yeah, we're not. I, I, I don't think anyone thinks we're saying, you know, you need to do this on every shot. Give me a great example. We, we're taping this show on Thursday, May 19th, if you download it in the next couple of days, just to give you some perspective. Um, Timmy put up a great piece on his Facebook page. And by the way, we're eventually going to have our own. Uh, I'm getting to it. Um, but there was a piece about, uh, I'm not sure where you got it from, but it was about Jason Day hitting three chunked chips yeah, yeah. in the final round of the Players' Championship. Everyone in golf is watching it, and they were tough shots, but, you know, whatever. Maybe there was a little bit of nerves, and then he finally made a nice bogey. He had, a, I think, a four- or five-footer to make bogey. Yep. 
Mitigated the damage. Mitigated the damage. Um, but the point is, you're going to have in every round of golf, even in the best rounds I've ever played, where there are going to be moments where you're going to have to... There's going to be some, you know, in every life, some rain must fall, Tim. Oh, yeah. In every round, there's going to be moments you're Where's going to have to. Yes. Exactly. Doris Day. So, don't, the, I think you, you talk, we want to talk about people's expectations. No matter how good you're about to play in this particular round of golf, there will be moments of, dis, you know, a discom- uncomfortable discomfort. And what he showed us in that moment is, yeah, I'm the best player in the world. I can chunk a chip. In fact, I chunked two of them. Yeah, how how embarrassing, really, in a way, could that be? Jason Day, number one player in the world, three chunk chips in a row. Think of how that could like really just get inside yeah. your helmet and just erode everything. But he didn't care. Guy moves on. He goes three under for the next ten, uh, nine holes. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he did the same thing uh, at the PGA when PGA, he chunked it on a nine, a nine, exactly. Absolutely. And and but he just gets on with it, and that's what these guys. do. Do these guys and women as they do so well is that they, they get on with it. They get on with it. It's not. I all of a sudden I'm a loser. I'm choking this. They're not. There's not this identification. There's not this sense that this is a freaking disaster. It's like I've been talking with people this week. Uh, Jordan Spieth making a quad at the Masters. Not a disaster. Fort McMurray. That's a disaster for sure. But you know, you, it, and we all know that you know. Given the perspective uh, inside the bubble of golf, we think it's very important. As soon as we're done with it, we kind of go, "Wow, I don't know why I got so upset." It is just a game. But of course, to golfers, and again, everyone listening would say that, "Yeah, we know it's just a game." But it seems important at the time. Our premise, our hypothesis, is that yes, if you want to be, if you want to score golf better, and I, you, I know it's the name of a magazine, but I've started thinking about, <laughs> I've started thinking about this. Thanks to our friends at birdiegolf.com. They, uh, one of the things about Birdie Golf or birdie.com, if you want to find the app, is it, it really takes you through why are you playing golf that day? What's your focus that day? Gives you some perspective about, you know, what's going on. So if, if scoring a, a game, you know, you want to have the lowest score because that's kind of one of the reasons we're playing. In order to get there, it's not, it's not through the... It's not through the prism of, of, of tiny physical actions. It's really a mental exercise. And I've, and I've seen it in my own game, and you see it with your students, that if you want to score golf and, and have a nice low score, this, this is the, the entry. This is the way to it because you're going to have doubles. You're going to have you're going to hit the odd shot off the hosel. It's what you do after that um, is, the, is the biggest learning for me. I want to talk about switch gears if we can. So um, why is it that guys are so married to the game of golf in the way they play it? They can't even conceive of another way. Here's what I'm going to ask you. Last night, we had to wait uh, toward the end of the round. And a bunch of us were talking about, are we going to play on the holiday Monday? I said, well, I wasn't going to because I got like a ton of tournament golf this week. I got a 36-hole invitational Friday. I got a 36-hole tournament Saturday and Sunday. And now someone's saying, do you want to play Monday? I said, yes, I do. But I said, here, I've got a great idea. Why don't we get a bunch of guys together and play with three clubs? Ha! <laughs> and the reaction I got was just that. Like you had three heads. Like They're like, well, why would we do that? I go, 
I don't know, might be fun. Exactly. Well, I don't know. What is it with the, does that score count? I go, who cares? Not every score. You don't have to turn it. Golf Canada doesn't make you turn in every score. And I had this whole discussion. Well, you know, you know, maybe. I said, no, we should do it. Let's get in. There's about 10 of us. I said, let's just, because I know one thing. When I'm done Sunday and I'm playing this great tournament in uh, London, Ontario, when I'm done Sunday, I don't want to, I don't think I'm going to want to tee it up again Monday morning, but I would with three clubs. And then once I sort of got that across to these guys I'm playing with, I said, you know, it would be fun. Then it was like, what clubs would you use? And I said, would we use a putter? I go, no, three clubs. Exactly. If you want one of them to be a putter, fine. But it just seems funny. Why are we so married to this paradigm that it always has to be this way? I think part of it, I think it's a multi there's all kinds of reasons there, but what I'm going to go back to is pencil and card golf. In the, our fixation on this side of the pond was score, and that experience, our experience of golf, largely is heading out and oh, I'm three over, I'm eight over. I shot. What'd you shoot on the front? Oh, I was 42. What were you? 39. Oh, keep it going, you know, and that kind of thing. And then, and uh, where are we on the presses? Mm-hmm. And uh, who's up in the match? And all of that, all of that stuff. That's the paradigm, and um, I, I think that's that's one part of. It. But I think it's also just the way we are cl- acclimatized to the game, and the way we relate to it, and 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 because anticipation is a key part of golf. People, when you have a game set on a Saturday, and you play, it's say like the average person might play, avid golfer might be able to play once or twice a week. So he gets his tea time. He knows Saturday's coming up. And you start your preparation, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. As it comes, you're getting ready for your game. And you're thinking about, you know, the, your swing, where it's at, who am I playing with, and is, is this going to be the round I score, I, I, break my, I break 90 finally, or, gosh, I was 89 last week. Maybe I can be... I don't know. I, I, that's, I think there's other reasons, but I'm going to go with score. I like I the, that, uh, the term pencil and card golf because, you know, the three-club thing, I've been doing it for years, but it's a Morris thing as well. Um, One of the things he talks about is going out in the world of golf and having an experience that's enjoyable that has nothing to do with what you can shoot. And I've played some rounds of golf with three clubs, and I've had some pretty good scores, but it didn't matter. The last time I did it, the guys I was playing with were betting would I shoot over or under a certain number, unbeknownst to me. Right. Um, and at the end, they were like, one guy was cheering me on, the other guy was like, come on, take a double. Because <laughs> <clears throat> I got to tell you, you can score pretty well. Uh, my choice uh, Monday is going to be I have a hybrid, tailor made hybrid, unbelievable. <laughs> And um, I'm going to use a six iron and my strong, either my strong gap with the gap wedge or my strong sand wedge. Because with those, with that three club combination, you know, just very simply, if the hole is 385, I hit my hybrid, you know, I hit it pretty good, about 230, 220. But even if I miss it, if I hit it 210, I've got 175 in, there's a six iron. So I'm on the green, yeah. maybe. So I'm on the green in two. Then I can putt with the hybrid. I promise you. You just hit it with a. You just hit it in the equator. Or no, not the. Miss the hybrid. Well, you know, no, I, I meant sort of on the green, man. When, with, you know, I putt you with the put, hybrid. Yeah, you just putt. You just right with the leading edge of it, right in the middle of the ball. Oh, see, I, I misunderstood. I thought you were talking with an uh, with a, a sandwich. Because some guys I've played with have done that. They just they sort of belly their putts. Yeah, particularly when the the ball's right up against the fringe. Sure, right? you got no backswing. But I'm saying, like, you know, if you get on the green in two on a 385 yard par four. I'm going to make par, or maybe the worst I'm going to make is bogey. Oh, I think I can shoot in the 80s with three clubs. 
I've done it. I've shot in the 70s with three clubs. So I'm thinking the... Uh, my, so but what, my point isn't that doesn't matter what the score is. It's just fun walking around with those three clubs over your shoulder like a kid with some balls in your pocket and you just go play. But here's the, here's the cool stuff is that you're going to help your game by doing that because you're going to learn how to hit different shots, how to... You know, grip down on your hybrid and swing slower. That's right. Like you're into the wind. Like when you're swinging into the wind, you want to slow down your swing. Sure. Just so you don't get all that spin to make it balloon. So, you know, you might grip down lower, swing it slower. Uh, you want to hit a six iron. You want you might have to hit it. Uh, you want to hit it high. Sure. So what do you do? You got to play it up in your stance, keep your weight a little bit back. But so your point is all, all that fun that you would have just happens to be taking place in the in the arena that you normally play with all your clubs that's another thing morris says is you know you 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 have to practice on the playing ground where golf takes place and it's hard to do that on a range you know as time has gone on you know used to be you know guys used to kid me in fact i saw a guy on monday at this tournament he was he said oh yeah because he knew me from the national he said oh man you're like you're a range rat and i'm like not anymore like i love hitting golf balls but nowhere near like i used to i would much rather fool around you know, go and take a cart and play nine holes by myself and hit chips and more because I find that I get more out of it. But again, you know, I, I ask these guys. The science backs you up on that, too. Well, as Morris says, too, you know, it's like you're you're learning. You're basically practicing the game where you play it. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I got a lot of pushback. Here's a couple other things. Now, I want to talk can about. You, can I just finish the thought yes, on please. the science? The science. So most people go on a range and say you take. Uh, 15 swings with your 7-iron off that perfect lie, trying to just groove that motion that they're trying to get. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing I think that people are doing is that they're always looking at golf as they're striving to get better. And so it's always this opportunity. This is, yeah, I'm going up, I'm going to work on this, I'll finally get it. But what happens is, is that on the range, hitting the 15 7-irons in a row, and the science backs this up, is that after about three swings or so, you're you start to get a little bored with it mm -hmm. and it's hard to keep focus. So you're doing yourself a disservice trying to, you know, get this consistent swing, right? That you talk, people are always the, yeah, the Holy the, grail of golf machine, that consistent swing. I'm going to finally hit it like Hogan and iron Byron. Whereas if you took, uh, say three swings with your seven iron, whatever, try If you're working on your mechanics, fine. Standard seven iron. Then why not hit a a big hook mm -hmm. with your seven iron? Then try and hit a low fade. Then switch to say a four iron. Do that. Go back to wedge. Your brain is going to be working, and it's a very efficient way because your brain is always trying to adapt, and that's where the learning comes, not from standing and hitting perfect shots. You know, and again, as someone that has been in that situation, I I have been. I've stood on a range for a long, long time, getting frustrated and wondering why I can't... And getting worse. Getting worse. And, and you know, I remember, that, and this is pretty recent, the last couple of years, I remember being on the range at some point last summer, I was getting frustrated, and I remember, you know, my buddy, our buddy Sean Casey was there, who's my, you know, swing instructor, and, you know, I just, he could just see I was getting pissed off. Because I, I, cause I'm, I'm hitting balls, as you say, off a perfectly flat line. They're just not doing what I want. And I learned nothing from that. My swing didn't get any better. You know, but I've since come to understand that if you want to really work on your golf swing, the range is the worst place to do it. You know, really, if you want to put in the reps and, and all that stuff, really in front of a mirror away from the golf course. The actual golf course is when you should be practicing playing. 
You know, it's, golf. I got. You know, not it's funny. Golf swing. I got. I was downtown Toronto yesterday afternoon at quarter to one in the afternoon. I went back to Oakville, got changed, went to the golf course, got there twenty five minutes before my tea time. Now I don't need a lot of warming up. I hit a lot. I mean, I play a lot of golf, so it wasn't like, oh my god, now what am I going to do? But I kind of rushed through my warm up, and I only hit a couple of putts. I hit three chips, and I went to the tee, and I shot one over. Yeah. So if I'd have been there two hours earlier, what, what would that have done? I, you know, I just would have gotten tired. But the point being, I've shifted my f- sort of paradigm of what what I need to do to get better. What I need to do to get better has only has all to do with the game itself, not this golf swing that I've I'm lugging around. Yeah, and you know what? I think a lot of that is um, you're a smart guy, and you've been through the trenches of golf, and you come to learn these lessons. But I think as you get older, you start to learn that there's just things that and you're laughing. Okay, I'm laughing because Tim just scribbled something down on a piece of paper. You're like me. I, I've scribbled. We're, we're both scribbling stuff. I can't read it. First of all, you want me to read what you've written. I can't even read what I've written. Yeah, exactly. I wrote something down here. and said, what am I learning to pencil and card? What What is that? Guys in fifties. I'm just coming oh, yeah. back to the yeah. Let's talk about guys in their fifties. Yeah, and why this stuff? Why this information seems to be resonating with them? Well, I think it's like uh, um, my dad was. A, he's a quotable guy. Uh, he's like, "Why did you stop hitting your head against the wall? Because it felt good to stop." Right. Um, I think at a certain point, after striving and working so freaking hard, that. At a certain point, if you're still playing this game and, and and you want to get you you finally realize that all this time that you put in trying to get better, doing uh, you know tab A into slot B golf and knitting your right eyebrow and flexing your right ankle, you didn't get any better. Mm-hmm. You, you, maybe marginally, yeah. But that part of the game will take you so far. You have to have fundamentals. That's I mean, brilliant, you, by the way. You, what you just said is brilliant. Just so you know, I found it brilliant. Thank you. Thank You're welcome. You. Appreciate it's it. It's super smart. Eyeball to eyeball. I'm telling you right now. That, he, he's giving me the eye, and I've come dude, to see that that's listen it. to me when I say that is exactly it. It's at all these years. Guys in your 50s, you know what I'm saying. You've been playing since you were a kid like me. It's 30 or 40 years, and you're like, wow, I put all this time, and I, I went to all these lessons, and, and, I, and my golf swing is my golf swing. Mm-hmm. How is it? How do I want to? What would I have to do to score better? Well, I, I came to Sean Casey last, uh, he and I met at the end of last season. I said, I don't want to work on my golf swing with you anymore. He said, fair enough. I said, I just want to work on my short game. I said, because I can't do anything else. I've done everything a person can do to get their golf motion to where it is. But I can be a better, I can have a better short game because that's, that's uh, an appreciable, plus it's easier to do. It's easier on your body. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But your golf swing at a certain point is your golf swing. Yeah. And you to try and change it. And that's what golfers are generally, a lot of average golfers are trying to do constantly is change their golf swing after thousands of reps. Even if you're in your, even if you're in your twenties or so, thousands of reps to change that. Oh my golly. That is, that takes huge amount of time, but that's what people do. Right. Because the breed tech, they take the breed. You said earlier in the show, you said something about like most people think, oh, my swing is broken or I'm. If I could just fix this, yeah. like, you know, you're talking, I can't remember what you were saying, you know, someone anticipating their Saturday round, they also think, okay, last week I was, uh, I hit some good shots and I had my right thumb just a little bit over. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's ridiculous what we focus on, but the whole, the whole mantra of golfers always has been, I'm broken. Uh, you teach me, please. 
then I'll be fixed, and then I'll be a good golfer. And uh, as I said to you earlier, you know, our pair, our premise here has been if you're a 20 handicap or an 18 handicap or a 12 handicap we promise you you will lose some strokes if you just mitigate some of the damage you're doing and it has nothing to do with your golf swing and trust me you know it's i know you you've often said hey a lot of guys like to shoot 73 or whatever it's the same i'm i'm telling you as a guy that's been a scratch golfer i'm getting close again it's the same for me as it is for a 20 handicap that mindset of oh I, if i could just get a if i could just learn to cut this a little bit better it, it doesn't matter right or I'll finally be happy when I break eighty. Right. And, now, and then he breaks eighty. You know what? You know, I take my game to another level. I'll be, I'll be happy when I get to be a five handicap. Oh, and then once I'm a five handicap, I'm going to win the club C. And oh, I'll be happy when I win the Ontario Amateur or whatever. Or whatever it is you try. It's just, yeah. It's just, and it's just this constant dog chasing tail thing. And I know something came up to me as came to me as you were talking there is that. All, what happens in all this striving and this trying is it just breeds tension and breeds judgment. And so even if you've not got the greatest swing in the world, mm-hmm. if you're able to swing with a degree of freedom, um, you know, target awareness, awareness of what happens just in your in your body and just just being a, an engaged but relaxed athlete. Your dispersion will go from not every, everywhere, not bringing all the course into play, but, but maybe just to one half of the fairway Absolutely. Or, or the right rough. And you'll just your shots won't be that offline because the more tense you are and the more invested you are in the result, the more prone you are to just swinging quick and not in balance and just not letting it flow. And as we said, none of that has to do with where your right elbow is in your backswing. And that's the funny thing. And we've talked a lot about the focus of golf instruction. I always tell the story of my dad and the Golf Digest, 1971. Front cover is how to cure your slice. And I guarantee you, I haven't read the latest Golf Digest, but somewhere in there, it's something about why you keep slicing it. I got news for you. You slice it because you're shitty. Um, (laughs) No, I swear I forgot we weren't doing swearing anymore. No, we're all crappy. That's the point of it. Shitty's not a swear word. It kind of is. No. Well, okay, let's, let's on, have a debate about whether it's a swear. They say it on network TV, for gosh sakes. So we're all horrible. My buddy uh, is a morning guy in Toronto. <laughs> he wrote a thing on his Facebook. He goes, well, I, you know, I played golf yesterday. I, I, even though I, uh, I didn't play very well, but I looked good. And I wrote a note to him. I said, have I not told you this enough times? Everyone who plays is horrid. We're just all versions of, oh, you know, uh, we're all terrible at you know this. What, what this reminds me of is I'm reading this this book by, he's a, he's a Jesuit um, He's, he's deceased now. It's about awareness. Right. And basically, so awareness is, and I've read this before. Oh, what the heck's his name? But anyways, it's that we're all jackasses. Yes. And if we just operate from that premise, then we're a kind of all level playing ground. I'll throw a little Buddha at you. You know, the whole Buddha thing is life is suffering. Well, if you if accept the premise that golf is not going to be easy. You know, I do this thing. Uh, I've written this a couple times, but golf doesn't owe you anything. The game doesn't owe you anything, but what you're, what to, to what you bring to it. You know, I wrote down on my little birdie golf uh, app review last night because, I, I, you know, I've been doing this after every round. And it, they get, it asks you all these series of questions. And it says, what was your primary 
a positive emotion today. And my primary positive emotion yesterday, even though I ran from downtown, home, change, golf course, running, get, now we're out in the golf course and I'm playing golf, my primary emotion was calm. Nice. Like I was just calm. I, uh, even though I was qual- trying to, literally trying to win the men's night, qualifying for the Niagara Cup, qualifying for the Interclub, I was like, I'm cool. You know, I felt pretty good about the state of my physical game. I know I've got a good plan for the golf course. If I shot 79 or 84 or 7, it, doesn't, it didn't matter to me, and I was calm. And I felt that way all the way around, even after I quasi-shanked, super-shanked. <laughs> Tell me about your mother. Okay, I want to talk about one thing before we're finished. We're going to do about five or six more minutes for you uh, Swing Thought people. Here's something that we, we always talk about, you know, how you can make yourself better. Let's talk about this, Coach. Now, we've used lots of examples on the show today of overcoming adversity, your, your player who wanted to shoot 75, et cetera, et cetera. But what about this? Um, what about when a player's playing well? Um, there's this interesting thing that happens. I played in a tournament on Monday, a big GAO event. I was happy to qualify. And Congratulations. Thank you. And I was playing in this uh, mid-amp, so for you people who don't know, it's uh, 25 and up, so there's lots of kids younger there. I was one of the oldest guys in the field. You could be a dad. Of oh, people. absolutely. Almost a granddad if they got started early. One of the kids I played with, who was like 31, 32, not a kid, but, you know, a kid to me. Shaving yet? Barely. Um, a guy, I hit a couple drives, like pretty good, 275, 280, ripped it, M1, you know, like I do. <laughs> And he two ironed it by me, and I was like, <laughs> "Shut up! Like, just shut your stupid two iron." But Jason Day didn't he like just, he did. Jason Day didn't he just three hundred eighteen no. three three oh three? Yeah, something? three. I think it was something like that. But this kid, so this kid, could really hit it. My point is, I knew in that round, as I knew last night, I had awareness. I'm playing pretty good, and I had a. The reason I bring it up is I have a friend of mine, who is a really really good player, who got it to three under. On um, Monday and gagged it on the way in. He got it to two under last night and had a semi gag on the way in. And I and I bring this up because when you're having your good round, whatever that round is, if you shoot in the nineties and you know you're on par or on you know no pun intended, but you're yeah. on you're on, on track. course track to shoot eighty five, you're going to get nervous. So talk a little bit about this, coach. The idea that you're gonna sometimes have nerves around playing your best round or playing well. You know it. We all feel it. I've only got four holes to go, and if I just bogey in, I'm going to shoot 86. Well, that person's as nervous as I was on Monday knowing, man, if I just get this to the house, I'm probably going to qualify. What do you say to that? You're out of your comfort zone, for sure. one thing. It's unfamiliar territory. And um, so I think it was Mo, Mo who said, out of your comfort zone, out of your comfort zone, because you just haven't been there as much. Right. So you're just not comfortable being there. In fact, most golfers are, it's really ironic. They want to shoot good scores, but they're more comfortable when they're in their usual zone. Why is that? Because is that, is that the, cause they normally shoot that number? It's they're in, their body is is doing something different. See, the, our unconscious is just bringing in all this information all the time, and our unconscious is where our feelings live. We we all tend to think that we, you know, smart, mature people, and, uh, you know, I've made this decision, and I'm going to do this. And it's based on the data that they analyzed. No, no, no. It's your feelings that guide you in your life. So there's a bit of fear. There's some hope. 
and you're you're cranked up and you're jazzed and and then you're sort of the the emotions if you put them on a graph it would be kind of spiky rather than nice m wave going so we want this to happen we you know we're in say i remember the first time i uh i broke 80 um the the uh, i had a well, the first time I thought I was going to break 80, and I three-putted, and I was so pissed. And I had the, so the, it was almost like the same thing happened the next week. I had like a 20-footer for you know a par 5 to a par, I'd have 79. Mm-hmm. Having gone through it once before, That's I was right. more comfortable, and I just was aware of my tendency was to just hurry up my stroke or something like that. And I just stayed with it, made a good stroke, tapped in. And broke seventy nine. You know, most people. And it was it was a comfort level. So I think it's partly just. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but it's. I say this a lot. That's your phone, I think. Yeah, it is. That's fine. Um, is getting your reps in. I say that a lot, but that is definitely true. You got to. And you don't mean swing posi- reps. You mean no. reps putting yourself in position. In the and, experience. Right. And the evidence. Right. And yeah, going through it. And having the awareness that this is happening to me. Yep. Just like the way that you're in the woods after your shank. Yes, you shanked it. Whatever. Um, get over. You got shank envy. <laughs> <laughs> so just the same way that you were aware that your tendency maybe was to rush and you were aware, okay, I'm going to hit the shot when I'm comfortable. When you're in those positions, when things are different... Uh, you know, a chance to break 80 or like, holy crap, I'm three under or something like mm-hmm. that is what's going on for me right now and making a choice to respond in a way that's appropriate for you right there. That's brilliant, too. Well, that's just what it's ha- But it's as opposed to being caught up in this swirl of emotions, almost right. like there's a... And if I may say, the emotions are all around, um, especially when you're playing under pressure, all around what's the number? What do I need to do to shoot that number? I will be a success if I shoot 79. I will be not a success if I shoot 80. Now, you know, it's sort of the level I'm playing at. You know, I'm playing in a provincial qualifying tournament. I, you know, I basically went into it to get some more tournament experience because there's tournaments coming up I want to, that I'm really focusing on, but I need to get my reps in. I need to put myself under pressure. Absolutely. You know, from last Monday to this Sunday, I'll play six tournament rounds and everything's, you know, your, your name recorded you got to put everything out it's under tournament pressure because i want to put my i want to be familiar with it when i was wandering around the front nine of this qualifier i didn't tell you this i literally was saying to myself several times what can i learn here today that's all i said to my because i was i'm like i don't care if i really i mean i'd like to qualify but you know i mean i hadn't put it on my schedule for time off i just put the qualifier on my schedule because i wanted to learn some stuff that day and i kept breathing and i kept you know working on my I thought this is a good opportunity to test drive my mental performance forget my golf swing my golf swing's fine ish you know uh, good sure enough. good enough I hit some funky shots but as I told you on the phone I called Timmy after the round I said you know I was pretty happy with you know how I handled the the adversity that pops up and and you know the the year before I I'll tell the story really quickly and then we'll shut it down the year before I am on I'm, I'm in a qualifier the first one I've played 
This is only the second qualifier I've played, the one this week. But the first qualifier I'd played in many, many years, I uh, got going pretty good. I, I bogey the 16th hole, and I get up and I double bogey the 17th hole, and I basically just crap it in on the 18th hole. If I had just made par on the 18th, I would have qualified. Wow. I make bogey and don't qualify. So here I am again. I'm playing on Monday. I bogey the 17th hole. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm not sure if that number is the right number, right? But rather than try and push it, I said, I'm going to play this 18th oh, yeah. hole. I'm going to play the last hole the best I can. I'm going to get the this. best score I can. I love this. And see what happens. And it's a 520-yard downwind par 5. Most circumstances, I would hit driver, hybrid, try and make a birdie. But I thought to myself... I don't know. It's a dog leg left to right. There's some trouble there. If I block this off the tee, the hole's over, basically. There's a lot of trouble to the right. So I said, you know what? I'm going to hit a four iron off the tee. Love it. I Love hit it. a four iron on a par five because I said I'm taking a big number out of the equation. I'm giving myself, you know, I'm not focused on score, but I'm going to do everything I can to give this score the best possible chance. And I hit four iron, four iron, gap wedge, and made the birdie. So my number, thank you, Coach. We just did a knuckle. So I shot. So I shot seventy six. Seventy seven would have gotten in. Seventy eight would have gotten to retro. My point is, I took the experience of the year before and went, okay, I've been here before. I've been nervous. I've had, and I know last year all I needed to do to qualify was make a par. So rather than you know get upset that I just bogeyed the seventeenth hole, I thought, okay, I'm going to do what I can to make the least amount of strokes, give at least myself a chance. Yeah. So you so. It's about responding right, and making a choice. And so you made a choice that maybe a lot of people wouldn't even occur to them unless they were had a high degree of awareness. Mm-hmm. The, the, the last thing I'll say about that is that um, a lot of people will play in their club C and choke their guts out while they're not used to being there. And so, folks, if you want to compete... Get yourself in some tournaments. You know, sign up for your, you know, at, at, at public courses, semi-privates, whatever. They well, the all golf town and all yeah, those absolutely. tournaments, absolutely. Go in those, and it's really fun, and you learn a lot. And the last piece is, is that I remember Todd Graves, my friend, uh, co-author on uh, on my Mo Norman swing book. He said to Mo, Mo, how do you get tournament tough? Mo goes. Play lots of tournaments. Play lots of tournaments, exactly. No, it's it's absolutely truth. Last year I played, okay, not counting men's nights, although I, I like to count them because they feel like tournaments, but counting men's nights, I probably played 45 tournament rounds last year. Wow, you'll learn from that. So you learn from it. You learn that you can have a couple bad holes, and you can learn that you can have... You know, you can shoot a number under pressure, and so you also learn that some days you just don't have it. Yeah, so report back to me when you hit a shank in one of your tournaments, will you? I did last night. Oh, yeah, semi-mints. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Okay. Listen, okay. there was, uh, we have this app that we talked about with Craig. It, it shows in real time who's leading. And about four or five holes in, Craig goes, oh, uh, Howard, you're uh, in second place or first place. And I said, cool. And didn't really say anything. And about three holes later... He was marking the scores, and I said just quietly to him, "I said, hey, just do me a favor." So what? I said, I, "I don't need to know where exactly." I, I said, "I don't need to know where I stand for the rest of the round." He goes, "Oh, did that bother you?" I said, "No," but I said, kind of sincerely, I said, "I just don't need that. I don't need to think about that." So if I don't think about, if you tell me, then I might have to think about it. <clears throat> now I would hopefully deal with it, but I thought, what is it going to serve me to know? So last hole. Short par four, you know, nice drive, had a lob, a sandwich to the green, tugged it a bit, still hit it on the green. And as we're walking the green, I said, Craig, 
So now I said, I said, tell me now. He says, you're uh, tied for first. I went, oh, okay, cool. So I didn't want to know until I got to the last hole. And I was yeah, like, well, okay. Yeah, but now you know, you know, if he wanted to win, and you know, well, I'm not going to be short. Nope, not I wasn't either. Yeah, yeah. I hit it about two feet by and just sniggled it in. Here's, um, here's something real quick I can say. Hey, yeah, folks, yeah. if you want to be a really good person on this earth, a genuine nice guy or woman, obviously, when you're playing golf, if you're playing with someone who's really got it going, don't say a damn thing. Don't say, "Hey, do you know you're two under?" Yeah, because believe me, or, they know or it. Or you're gonna, you know, you're gonna break ninety for the first time. How about this? Don't is do a, it. Just eat it. Okay, I'll admit I shanked that shot. Okay, you happy now? Uh, um, I'm not happy. I read this this week. Uh, a friend of mine I who feel is good for you as a person, able to accept it. <laughs> I have accepted. It has nothing to my, do with me, though. No, I know. Because you want me to say you want me to be part of your group, your little your little coven, <laughs> the Shankosaurus. Yeah, right? your little coven of shankers. Um, coven. This is a, a friend of mine who is uh, the coach of our little. Uh, Niagara Cup team and he uh, he signed a, an email to me I'm not sure it was to everybody on the team but I just saw this email he said hey guys pl- if you can't play great be great to play with oh, and I thought that's perfect that's beautiful that's up with the Alf Callowhill um, expect nothing except everything we're, we're gonna compile these we should thought isms and uh, or as Borg said, resistance is futile. <laughs> uh, something like that. Uh, Tim O'Connor can be found in, found at O'ConnorGolf.ca. You can uh, also book a, a consultation with him. He's got a uh, a great a pretty good offering, where basically you're gonna get a, you're gonna get a, a decent break on the price. You get a consultation and see if you want to work Your together. First, the first lesson is always gratis, free. Wow. You know, just come in and we'll first of all get to know each other and I'll find out what's going on for you. And if there's if you think there's a fit and then I and, and I can support you, then we can talk business. And listen, not to talk out of school, but one of Tim's students is going to be teeing it up at Winged Foot today. So there you go. <laughs> He's got some pretty cool guys. Um, HumbleandFredRadio.com. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Swing Thoughts on iTunes. Uh, brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. I didn't even get a chance to tell you. And our Glenn Karen. And Glenn Karen, Club Link. Make sure you check them out. Birdie Golf, our boy Jay Gilbert. Yeah. Um, these irons are ridiculous. They really are. Oh, folks! So, so I'm playing Glen. No, I'm playing uh, Rattlesnake Clubbing Course with Howard last week. I pull up my four iron of my current set, and uh, he goes, "Hang on a sec." So That's right. Four, he gives me a six of my clubs. Yeah, the the PSIs. I hit it as far. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Two club difference. Oh, uh, my golly. Easily. Uh, and if you kids uh, need uh, more information, TaylorMadeGolf.com. All right, we'll see you next week. See ya.